Welcome to the Young Artists Podcast, when young artists take center stage. I'm your host, Natalia, and this is the place where we dive deep into the minds and works of emerging artists, exploring their unique perspectives and creative journeys. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the new episode of Young Artist Podcast. Today we have a pleasure to welcome Mary Palenkar. Hi. Hi. Mary is an artist coming from the US who spent their last five years in Prague and now they are in London. Happy to have you here. <laughs> Happy to be here. Uh, weather's interesting. <laughs> Could you explain a little bit about yourself, your art practice and what do you do? Um, I think that I mostly work within the realm of painting and more traditional art forms, but trying to pull them into like a more alternative way of seeing things. Like how do we see a painting when it's no longer like on a stretched canvas? Mm -hmm. And my inspiration is largely historical, mostly coming from medieval and cave paintings. So also looking at those and the different methods that were used historically and also pulling them into more alternative uh, methods of making. So it's very interesting that you pull your inspiration from medieval ages and from cave painting. How did you come to that idea? I know you have a background in archaeology, right? Yeah, my when I first started my bachelor's, I was studying archaeology and I didn't stick with it for very long, but I did go on like two digs or something like that. And I realized what I really loved about being in that environment was being able to like touch the objects and hold onto them and like really experience them with the body and the act of like uncovering them very physical experience. Mm -hmm. And I felt like there were a lot of parallels with those experiences and what I loved about like creating art objects and, you know, being able to like create this thing that's so special and like pass it on and like let other people experience it as well. Okay, so what particularly in terms of aesthetic qualities inspire you in those old uh, art forms? I think that with those eras specifically, there's a lot that we don't necessarily understand, um, especially with cave paintings. Mm -hmm. Like, you, we really, you know, you, people study them, of course, and there's a lot to be learned, but like, you know, looking at them, there's just no way to fully understand what the intention was behind making the object. And I think a lot of times going into contemporary art, you know, there's that like need to know the full context of everything. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like what you're willing to like give and what you're able to hear from that is pretty significant to your experience. And I think taking that sort of method, um, and like that stance of like, how ambiguous do I want to make this mm -hmm. is like a big piece of that. I see. So um, how does your process look like? What do you do? <laughs> I am kind of like research oriented almost. Mm -hmm. I love to look at historical objects and like take the aesthetic qualities of them. Um, but then it's Please, all... sorry to interrupt you. Please speak about your like one of the cave paintings that really inspired you and how you brought it into your practice. Uh, okay, it's gonna be like I have such a difficulty with the um, remembering of the names, which is kind of a big part of why I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, it's not the specific cave painting that I'm super inspired by, 
but there's the uh, symbols that are decently consistent amongst cave paintings all over the world. And they're just, it's really interesting. I, I Nobody can say exactly what it means, of course, but it's so interesting to like take this thing that's come from so many different people across time and just kind of use it in more contemporary contexts and like keep that, you know, language going, even though it's been broken in the past and keep that going. It's very interesting. Mm -hmm. So where does your decision of not stretching paintings come from? Part of it's practical. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to work on a larger scale, but I, you know, I've moved around a lot. I don't have access to like a massive studio where I can keep a painting that's two and a half meters tall. But then it's also this this idea of like being able to almost create like a borderline tent and create that feeling of being somewhat nomadic and being able to like take them into a space and not just have it be a painting on the wall, but have it be a painting that like removes the walls behind it and kind of have that become the space. So you're now sitting mm -hmm. in the painting. I see. So this is, you, you mentioned the word nomadic. Are you also interested in nomad culture? I th not particularly, but I think that it's inherent when we're talking about like cave paintings. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this idea that, you know, they weren't spaces that people lived in. The, those, these were spaces that people like visited, um, okay. just like how tucked back they were. So it would be places that they went over and over again after many years of like traveling around and then returning to these spaces. But um, so that is an interesting part of that to me. But uh, that's mostly where it comes from of transforming the space and then also how it relates to just the way that I have to live my life. Yeah. Okay, and um, let's talk about the um, notion that you mentioned about like material aspect of the mm -hmm. object and like removing something from earth and touching the same object that people touched like centuries ago. Mm -hmm. uh, can you bring us a little bit into this process of archaeology and how you later translate it into art? So I did this series of paintings back in it started in 2020 um, and then like continued anytime I had an opportunity to show art until I think 2022 is when I did my last one. Um, but I created this painting with a heavily textured acrylic um, and then let it dry, then put a layer of oil paint on top of it and let it kept it wet like right before the show. And then I would give people like a variety of tools um, and like usually involving like a knife or like, a, you know, sticks and like tools for like carpentry and whatever mm -hmm. and have them remove the thick layer of white paint as a sort of like frustrating act mm -hmm. of like trying to get to see what was underneath and like experience the texture of doing that and make them extremely almost uncomfortable Aww. with just like how they have to treat the painting in order to just engage with it on a yeah. basic level. Um, but I think it was really interesting and I'd like to do it again if I had an appropriate space to do it. But, uh. It's very performative as well. Mm -hmm. So what was the reaction of your audience? It 
that was one of the things that surprised me the most because I feel like after I did it the first time I was like okay this is what I can expect from my audience but because it's the kind of thing that is different in every single space that you do it your audience is different and especially like coming from like working in on a spectrum of like DIY spaces when it was that really had an impact with how people were willing to interact with it. Usually there was this sense of hesitation, mm -hmm. but like sometimes once that was broken, people would become quite violent with it. Like there was this one time when there was like a, somebody stuck a fly to the painting and oh, I didn't really? really care for that. Yeah. That's the one time that it didn't go in a way that I appreciated mm -hmm. it. Like you're scraping a painting with a knife. Sometimes like, it'll cut the canvas and sometimes people would like carve faces into it like a smiley face that was um there and like that i didn't mind so much because it's just like i'm giving this to the space and the people are going to act how they will but you know the fly was just like yeah, yeah. i see that so talking about like the performance mm -hmm. and things that could make you uncomfortable what do you feel like is the boundary in performance art like you have engaged in a few performances mm -hmm. uh one uh, titled i'm going to take a bath and think about it so i'm really interested in like what are your boundaries and what do you what do you feel that you want to express for performance i don't think that i necessarily have too many boundaries for myself as much as i do for other people um it's just about what I'm interested in saying and how I'm interested in saying it. Like, I just, you know, I'm not very interested in exploring certain subjects and I'm more interested in like these semi-spiritual spaces and that's where I'm wanting to like explore more. But then it's also like getting into the question of like, how do we interact with other people? And I've had this project that's ongoing where I've been collecting pieces of people's hair and within that space and like doing that kind of project i've had this issue of like i can't come across as like a character in that because i need to ask people honestly like from myself what are they comfortable giving me and i can't pressure them into that and i think even putting on a character i feel like would be dishonest and a form of like pressuring people into that so you try to be very true to yourself while doing that. Yeah. And if I'm not interacting with other people, it's easier to just fall into myself. But I feel like obligated to other people to become my, to communicate as myself uh, with them. Yeah. So what is the difference for you when you plan a performance and you decide to do it by yourself or you decide to engage other people? How is your Pro thought process looking like? I think it's kind of sporadic. Um, I think when it comes to material art, it's a much more like concrete practice for me. And it, of course, it's always developing, but I think it's at a point now where I have more of like a concrete direction with it. Um, and I know what it is I'm interested in exploring and what I'm not interested in exploring. But when it comes to performance art, it's a practice that I'm still learning exactly who I am inside of it because it's not something I do as frequently. So I'm still 
exploring that, but it feels more sporadic. It's like I'll have ideas for exactly what I want to do, maybe like two to three days or even like the night before. Um, But that's sometimes just how it is with the creative process, I guess. Yeah, I think it's also very interesting when you invite people. So like you can also predict how it's gonna go like, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not like you plan a painting and mm-hmm. you have full control over it. But mm-hmm. when you invite people, they can even like stick a light to your painting. You can never control that. No. Um, and, but I think you still can anticipate the environment. If I were to do another one of those scrape paintings, I would be very careful about the environment that I chose to do it in and exactly like the kind of people that would come to it. And I, feel bad for like needing to control that Mm -hmm. you know because part of me feels like wants to think like oh it's art you should just completely surrender it to whoever you know the viewer is but then I'm also a little bit like but that's my baby (laughs) you know that's just yeah so um how do you think uh creating in the U.S. in Prague and in London differs So that's an interesting question because I feel like, so I moved to Prague when I was 20 and studying archaeology. Um, I didn't really start to fully create things that I feel like I would still stand behind Mm -hmm. until I want to say it was during the pandemic. It was during COVID in 2020 that I really started to. And by then I was already in Prague and that was really the environment that I explored most of my creative practice in. And I haven't really done anything in the US, which I'm kind of struggling to like, combine myself into one person at this point with it. Yeah. But um, in Prague, it was, it's more freeform, like there's still a lot that's being like, decided on there. But you know, it, it is still it's what I had access to there is much more underground is much more DIY, which is fantastic for a lot of reasons. But now in London, I feel this like push to like make my work seem more polished and like stand out more and be more like not corporate, but have it seem more professional in a lot of ways. Academic, maybe. Academic, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I feel like because I'm also in school still, I don't have a grasp of what the London art scene, like, Mm -hmm. looks like outside of this, and I won't know for maybe two years after I graduate. So what was the Prague art scene? I mean, it did feel very often like there was a distinction between, um, like, the Czech scene and then the foreigner scene. Um, The foreigner scene, we didn't have as many resources, um, which is fine, you know, not being able to like access those things, like that's just the way it is. Um, But because of that, because you're not striving for this more academic take on art, people were doing things that were a lot more free form. And it was almost like easier to just like have an idea and like message a friend the night before that they had a performance or they were doing a concert and like, hey, can I do this thing on stage while you're playing? Mm-hmm. Um, or these kinds of things. It, it's spontaneous and organic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it's like I've done, 
you know, installations for raves. I've done performances at concerts and things like that. And, you know, just kind of trying to like adapt that to London. I'm not really sure how those opportunities fit in here and if that's something that I'm going to have access to for a while. Yeah. I see. So please talk about your favorite project that you've done in Prague. Uh, basically, back in 2022, I was invited to do an installation for Here and There. And it was in the basement of this monastery. And I ended up doing um, three 12 meter long panels of fabric that were like based around tarot. Um, and it was kind of just an environment for people to come in and like sit inside mm -hmm. of. Um, it was really interesting and really special to create something for that environment. So what were the fabric presenting? Um, it was somewhat of scenes from the uh, Major Arcana in Tarot. Uh, I went from like the tower through to the um, the world, uh, if anybody's familiar with tarot. In Please uh, explain, <laughs> I, I am not so. <laughs> All right, so uh, basically in tarot you have the final like phase of tarot and just being like related to enlightenment and like mm -hmm. these kinds of things. Um, the tower being like kind of the destruction before that. Um, but, you know, you have this set of cards and this phase of cards that the story kind of takes you through in that final section of it. They all like lead into each other. Um, so I created these panels to kind of just create its own environment uh, within that. So where did you take inspiration from for this motif? Um, I mean, it was cave paintings. It would, the, the motif itself is tarot, but the cave painting idea and the way that it's just like there's paintings that surround you on the ceiling and the walls and it's everywhere is kind of where I pulled that from. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Sounds very interesting. How did you handle painting something that's 12 meters? So the, it was 12 meters three times too, which oh, is so awful. <laughs> Almost 40 meters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was around that. And it was just, I got just like a ton of, of this white cotton fabric, just really basic cheap stuff. And then I just painted on it with this white acrylic and, you know, kind of just did batik on the back of it to have it stand out a little bit, but still kept it kind of pastels. Um, but yeah, just painting that over and over. I had to keep it quite graphic um and just have it be like the line work for most of it uh just mm -hmm. to keep it like that but, yeah how long did it take and how long did it dry also well this is why i'm so afraid of ever using oil paints is because i had to use acrylic and just have it behave in the quick drying process like that yeah. but uh I think it took around three weeks or something of working on it. Mm -hmm. but That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, but still it's very little for such a huge piece, I think. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, th I think as for doing this kind of thing for myself, I realized like you need to just adapt your style sometimes and kind of make it like a little bit more minimal if you're trying to like create something mm -hmm. like that in that time frame. So what was the crowd's reaction to that? It was quite nice. I think like people just enjoyed the space to just be more 
calm and to sit in and these kinds of things but yeah cool that sounds super interesting thank you so let's talk about the train to krakow mm -hmm. now because i'm really excited about this project because it's trying yeah. to poland <laughs> yeah yeah um so this is mostly put on by um object paradise and their uh cooperation with the other Vishrat countries mm -hmm. um poland slovakia um and hungary and of course like prague czech republic where object paradise is based um yeah uh, th so they decided to rent out a train with funding from this program and had like a whole uh cabin in a leo express i think <laughs> it was and we it was a seven hour train ride as i'm sure you know and we just had so much fun it was just like different people creating different things there were people doing performances like singing more like performance art that was more yeah. character based uh there was like also a section for zines and like we had a you know film showing of different short films that different people who were participating had been a part of it was a really really incredible experience so did you have an audience or was it just for artists i mean is there a difference I mean, I think like the the whole interesting question. <laughs> the whole point of it, I think, is that that line should be blurred. Um, I don't. I, I think that if you're an audience, and even if you're in a gallery looking at a painting, are you participating in a happening? You know, like is that, you know, itself a performative act to sip the wine and like go around and like talk to people? But you know, I don't. If you, to answer your question as yeah. the question, um, no, there wasn't necessarily an audience, but there was a train full of people that some of them did come yeah. over and like see what we were doing. It was interesting. Yeah, I think it's super interesting when we think about who is the audience, mm -hmm. as before you mentioned selecting the audience. Mm -hmm. It's about who do you subject your work mm -hmm. to and whose gaze it's gonna mm -hmm. subject it, be subjected to, you mm -hmm. know, like, if it's just artists, the response is gonna be tremendously different, mm -hmm. but maybe not so different. It's all, you know, I think it should be considered as like a organic process, mm -hmm. and when people watch and how they respond, and then you can select who you want to show it to. Yeah, yeah, it's it, pretty interesting, but like there were, once we were in, there was more of like a conventional space that we were in where pe more people from the public came to see what we were doing and like that we had more of a conventional audience for but um yeah and there were like a few issues within mm -hmm. that space of you know people coming in and yeah. being so what particularly did you do on the train i um i have this like interest in like the body that i've been mm -hmm. working on lately of just kind of taking from the body um it feeds into the the hair thing that i mentioned earlier but um what i was really interested in is the hands for this project i i had these um canvas hands that i had cut out and i had different embroidery thread thread for different kinds of markings like tattoos scars um calluses and these different things and then i made an amalgamation of different people's hands on the train 
and like took, you know, like I have a callus here, so I would embroider that callus onto one of the hands, um, and then I have sewn them together, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly what to do with them and how to display them, but um, it's quite an interesting thing that I want to explore more That's of. That's so cool. So where does your interest for body come from? I don't I don't have a proper answer for that. Yeah. I think it's just like, it's this... I mean, it's a very natural interest as well, you know. Yeah. I feel like every artist at some point explores their body. Yeah. Pro probably. Yeah, I, I mean, it is, I think, just a way to kind of capture this piece of people. And I, I think, like, at the time, it was right before I left for London, and I wanted to, like, really take people with me, mm -hmm. but you can't do that. So I think I just kind of wanted to, like, take these pieces of people's stories in like a more intimate way, um, which, you know, their hands and hearing about like, oh, a friend that I've known for years has like scars from a fencing match or something. And like being able to take that token mm -hmm. is something right, that yeah. was really special. So do you feel like your art practice is becoming like multicultural because of all the places that you've been living in and it's bringing together the pieces from those stories? I think so, but I, I'm also, I mean, it is interesting for me because I, I feel like, so my dad's side of the family, like way back is Slovak mm -hmm. and then coming to the Czech Republic and kind of experiencing that and like exploring themes. And now I kind of look back at my art and I, I'm realizing, you know, oh, I've been like kind of influenced a lot by like Slavic paganism and like mm -hmm. the, just through the natural process of like, Oh, I'm interested in these kinds of things. And like other people here are working on similar stuff, like, you know, being influenced in that way. And then to kind of step back from that and then you realize like what you're doing. Um, but I'm not even sure that it counts as multiculturalism mm -hmm. because I, I'm trying to like, see myself as somebody who's still based in the U.S. or from the U.S. living in London and but like the majority of my time even though I'm very American has been in the Czech Republic and that's kind of something I'm just dealing with about myself right now. Oh, that, that's very beautiful, you know, <laughs> to bring together all these, like, memories and different mm -hmm. experiences and try to create something new. Mm -hmm. I'm really curious, what are you working on right now, this very moment? I want to create a small church um, for myself. Like, I want to make a, like, priest robe for myself and, like, create this, um, like, a triptych as well as some... Uh, some like uh reliquaries mm -hmm. with like different body parts that i have um of different people i'm collecting eyebrow hairs oh currently. Wow. <laughs> that sounds extreme <laughs> i mean i mean people trust me with tweezers apparently so <laughs> i'm not taking a full eyebrow just like one off the end but um yeah so kind of i want to take those and turn them into like these like reliquaries and like do something special with these pieces of people that I've been able to collect. Mm -hmm. like, uh, 
before when we had a chat before the podcast mm -hmm. you mentioned to me that like the interest in religion is very huge in you mm -hmm. and that you're particularly interested in the camp of religion yeah i mean i guess that is one of the things that stuck with me from my childhood is i was raised catholic mm -hmm. um it's not necessarily something it's it's a relationship that i think is kind of complicated for myself right now um as i'm sure most Catholics feel but it is that the, the thing is it's like you walk into this building and it's heavily decorated and you hear you have the smell there's certain sounds there's all these people who are like there and like experiencing something like fully within themselves of like believing this and then there's the guy in the robe and you know he's these statues and it's everything it's this whole environment is so rich and interesting in how it like transports you into something else and I think artistically even if I you know I, I'm a human being and I think it, it's human to kind of question you know why am I here and just deal with that and I, I think that's kind of all I can say about my beliefs is just it's the state of questioning which I love and I don't think I'll ever settle on anything beyond that but you know just that space the different religious spaces that people engage with I, i think it's really rich to engage with it artistically yeah when you mentioned like the different sensory you know mm -hmm. um uh, experiences that you feel when you enter the religious mm -hmm. space i think it's very strong and this is something that almost like makes people believe in something you know what mm -hmm. i mean like even though we have our systems of beliefs like the experience really enhances it and mm -hmm. and helps to bring this divine to the human world so i find it interesting that you want to create a little chapel for <laughs> yourself what is gonna be like the purpose of it i don't know i think uh, I'll, still <laughs> i'm still thinking because i, I want to put it in the woods i want to create these like artifacts of religion and like the different aspects of it but then like put it into a completely different context and i think you know as artists are i i think you know beginning an artistic practice it's like you have this idea that you need to know what you're making before you start making it and i think it's just something that I need to explore, I need to explore the space of religion and what that context means. And by moving it into that, I think I'll learn something. And by the time it's actually made, I'll have a really strong idea of like, what this means and like how it's going to be for me mm -hmm. and for other people. So you want to engage other people as well? Yeah, I think so. I, I'm you know, I think art is at least meant to be experienced and witnessed. Um, but, you know, I, I think that if I did just live in the woods, I would still probably be doing the same thing. But okay. <laughs> Great. So mm -hmm. as we're slowly coming to an end, okay. uh, could you uh, say some of your advices for young artists who just start uh, their art practice and going into the art scene? I would say it sounds really sappy, but I think just make friends and like explore different things that you are interested in, you know, just be nice and do things that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
I don't have anything better to say than I that. I think that's great, you know, like, it, it's good you said make friends, not mm -hmm. network, because there's a huge difference. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like, who are you going to work with at the end of the day, yeah. you know? It's like, we are here to make friends, I think. Of course. Uh, thank you so much for today's conversation. Mm -hmm. It was super interesting to have you here and I think like I learned a lot. I'm definitely gonna see how you can include some, you know, mm -hmm. historical aspects in the work. It's super nice. And thank you. It was a great conversation. Thank you for having me. And thank you everybody for listening to the Young Artist Podcast and see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on the Young Artists Podcast. Don't forget to stay connected with us on Instagram and LinkedIn. Follow us at Young Artist Podcast for behind-the-scenes glimpses, updates, and even more artistic inspiration. Your support fuels our creativity.